Look at your neighbor. They may be a few seats over or they may be close. I, I don't know. And ask them this question. Say, what makes us different? Look at somebody on the other side and say, what makes us different? What makes us different? The observation, um, the study, the research, all of these various things of, of humanity is, is interesting. I'm a people watcher. I'm a people watcher. So I see a lot of things that others never pick up on. That's just, that's, that's who I am. My, my wife mentions it often, and I, it's in my notes, but she's already talking over there. When I said I'm a people watcher, you didn't hear her, but she said, yes, you are. I mean, I heard her. She's right there. She, she's, and, it's, and it's in my notes, Tina. I knew this was going to happen. It's already there. I, this is literally what I put in my note. My wife mentions it often. She already mentioned it. When we start talking about our differences, though they are few, one of those, one of those differences, she, she will say things like this. How did you even notice that? And then, then I start wondering, how did I even notice that? I, I noticed it. I'm a, I'm a people watcher. It's almost like she thinks I have it planned, that I'm going to notice this today. But, but that's not necessarily the case. I'm just a people watcher, and, and she will say, how did you even notice that? Or, or she will say, I didn't even see them. And I will say, well, they were there. You don't even know how many Sundays we get in an under-our-breath disagreement on how many people are in church. She'll say such-and-such number, and I'll say such-and-such number, and they're never the same. My number's always right, and her number is always wrong, David. Isn't that the way it works? Thank you, Zach. And well, he's, he's helping me out. My number's always right. And her number is, invariably, she's always off a number or two. Always. And, and then after a little while, I'll finally, Jason, I'll finally just say, okay, all right. And, and I make her think, don't tell her, I make her think that she's right. But in my mind, I know my number's right. <laughs> It's just the way, because she doesn't see everything, and she doesn't see everybody, because I'm a people watcher, and I notice things. Now, some, some folks spend their entire careers uh, uncovering the nuances of previous generations, and, and some labor every day of their lives to understand others in hopes of providing help. I want to understand because if I understand, then I can help. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if that was really the case? Because what I've found many times is you think you understand, but then you t never take it beyond understanding to truly help. It's just, oh yeah, I, I, I see it from, from that point of view. Then, then there are these social media stalkers. Man, everybody, Tim, thank you for admitting it back there on the back row today. 
social media stalkers of this modern day society, and I know there's a few probably in here that I will not mention. You will go back and stalk somebody from way back when. You will randomly put in a name just wondering if where they are, where life took them, what's going on with them. Now, if you will admit that you're a social media stalker, let me see your hand. All right, there's, there's, there's at least 20 people going to heaven in the building today. Everybody else is, man, it's, it's going to be bad for you. I don't, I don't know. I find it interesting that uh, there are defining moments. I have, a, I have a social media friend that I went to um, third grade with, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, about seven, probably from the third grade to the seventh grade. We went to school together, and uh, after the seventh grade, around mid-year or so in the eighth grade, I left that school, and he and I have never seen one another since then. We played football together. We, we were involved in band together. We, we just had a connection for a number of years, and we have not seen one another in all these years, but we stay in contact on social media, and he lives not far from where my sister lives, and we've talked about in the future when I'm down there, maybe catching up, grabbing some coffee, seeing one another, but this last week, I had the opportunity to message his wife, who was requesting prayer for one of their daughters that was in the hospital facing surgery. He has three daughters. Ironically, I have three daughters. And I messaged them and said, I'm praying for your daughter. You never know. You never know the connections and what God will do in uh, these, these friendships. But I see that there are defining moments in, in life where I ended up, where he ended up, where others end up in life. You can go back and, and see how uh, we experience things differently. Things and times that, that change for all of us and we make a choice in a moment and it puts us in a direction that we will follow throughout our lives. He is in real estate and I'm in ministry and, and, and we grew up together and we played the same sports and we hung out with the same people but there are moments in life that you make decisions and it, and it takes you down various paths and, and we are then forced to live the decisions that we made and the choices that came to us. And, and without belaboring the point here, if it were not for recorded history, we would, we would know nothing of the actions, the statements, the interesting choices that previous individuals made that brought about great change to bring us to where we are right now. People have said it over and over recently that uh, if you do not recognize the, the past and our history and you know nothing about it, then you are doomed to uh, repeat it and you will see some things over and over. So, so we look at situations in life and it brings us to where we are today. I was thinking about this 
and uh, went to the book of Esther, the fourth chapter. There are a few verses that I'd like to read to you today. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with me. But I'll be looking in the book of Esther, the fourth chapter, a few verses beginning with verse number 12. The Bible says this, And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. They said to this man... Here is what Esther is saying. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. He said, tell her this. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Verses that, that are amazing to me when you consider where our world is right now. What makes us different? He was saying to Esther, you were, you're saying to me that there is nothing you can do. You have no audience with the king. You're just in a place of being somewhat helpless. But I say to you, Esther, that God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And whether you want to stand up or not, whether you want to do something about it or not, God will bring deliverance from somewhere. God will raise up help from somewhere. And when he does this, if you're not a part of that, then you and your home will suffer as a result. You think your life is in jeopardy if it, it being in the situation you're in, but I'm telling you, if you don't rise up, it is certain that God will not bless you, and He will bring help from somewhere else. And so I don't have uh, all of the time in the world this afternoon to in to cover the entire story of Esther here in detail. But if there was ever a time to grasp the meaning of uh, the one of the greatest Bible stories of all, now is the time to understand that God puts us in places, that God allows certain things to come about in our lives so we can rise up in that moment, take action, make decisions, and results that will be long-lasting come forth in a positive way. Here is a young lady that is put in a very unique situation. She's been brought in, if you will, and, and please don't take me wrong when I say this. She's been brought in as a part of the harem for the king. She's just another girl that has been chosen out of the land to be brought into the presence of the king at some future time. No real relationship, no real commitment, no real consecration on his end, just another young girl to satisfy and meet the needs of a king who could do anything and have anything he wanted. And she may sit there for days and weeks and months and years before she ever has one moment with him and in all of that time she's being groomed and trained and 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 
if you will, coddled into a place of when you have your moment, this is what he expects. When you have your moment, this is what he will demand. When you have your moment, you need to make sure that everything in your life, that's all it was for her. She was just another girl in the land. But there was something greater at play here. And that was God had his hand on that girl. And bringing her into an uncomfortable place put her in a position that in the days ahead, God was going to use her in a powerful way. And so here she is when she hears the word that her people are going to be destroyed. Her people are going to be stamped out. That it's coming to an end for her family and her nationality and those that she was connected with because of an evil plot that was schemed against them. And the word comes to her and the word is you need to do something about this because all of your family and your loved ones and your people are going to die if something doesn't change. And she responds, what am I supposed to do or how can I do anything? Thing. I've never even met the man. I've never even been in his presence yet. I don't even know if that day will ever come. And Mordecai says to her, okay, that's the way you feel? Then let me tell you this. If you don't do it, God will raise somebody else up. Because deliverance will come to the people. And if you want to be a part of it, then you need to take your stand right now. He's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you don't want to be a part of it, then know that suffering in your days ahead are certain and you will lose not only your life, but you will lose your family's life. Can you imagine the pressure on this young girl when she's feeling all of this and and knowing the seriousness of the moment and all of this responsibility is resting on her shoulders, that future generations of the entire nation was in her hand. And she's just a young girl. And she has all of this responsibility on her. Don't think God will not, at some point, point in all of our lives come calling for us he will come calling for every one of us and most often hear me now he will not call us out of our greatness see in our mind we want God to call us when we are at our best We want God to call us when we have everything together and everything lined up and everything in place just the way it should be. When everything is perfect in our life, when everything is prepared in our life, then I will take responsibility. Well, I've got news for you. God doesn't call us out of our greatness. He calls us out of our weakness. And if you think there'll be a day when I get everything together and everything prepared, then he'll come looking. No, God wants you when you've made your gravest mistake. God wants you when you're on the bottom. God wants you when you can't even make it by yourself. So when the victory comes and the glory is given, you and I can't take any credit for it. We'll have to say it was God that did it all. If it was out of our greatness, then we'd take the credit. We'd say, look what we did. But no, God calls us when we're at our weakest. He calls
calls us when we're at our most vulnerable place. He calls us when we are on the proverbial bottom. And everybody say amen. And God will most likely and most often put us in places and situations with weighty results when we least expect it. When we least expect it, God will hang the whole world on us. <laughs> Literally. And I'm just touching a few highlights of the story. Amazing what transpired in this young lady's life. In the book of Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse number 25, we see a, a, a situation that, in my opinion, it ties in with the story that we were just talking about in Esther. It's in the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. It's verse number 25. The scripture says this, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I love this story, and it's just another example of what we're talking about today. Here is a stress-filled situation. A man that is in the middle of a storm, his life is in jeopardy, he's considering jumping overboard, and God puts him at an intersection with an opportunity that was simply set up by God. So here Peter is in the middle of this storm with his boat about to sink and Jesus comes walking on the water giving him an opportunity now to see what he will do. They're afraid. They think Jesus is just a spirit. They cry out. He tells them, be of good cheer. And Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, then bid me come. Now, the boat is rocking. The sky is dark. The wind is blowing. The rain is falling. Everyone else in the ship is considering jumping overboard themselves. And he said, if it's you, Lord, bid me come to you and the scripture said, he said, walking on the water. Let me come on the water. And Jesus said, well, come on, big boy. If you think you're man enough, jump over and let's see what happens. And Peter defies, David, all logic and all sense of self-preservation, a man that grew up on the water, a fisherman that no doubt had seen others drowned in those storms and seen others pulled into shore growing up right there, steps out of the boat. That's amazing to me that this guy is now bold. Everybody say bold. I mean, that's bold. What kind of faith do you have? Faith that defies logic. When everything else is saying, 
Justin, you're going to drown, dummy. Don't get out of the boat. And you say, I'm getting out anyway. You're daring me? I love a good dare. Can you imagine what it must have been like for all of those that were holding on to everything and they see Peter climbing over the edge of that boat to go to where Jesus was? He's in the middle of this stress-filled situation, but he's at an intersection in his life that he has to make a decision, and that decision would define everything in front of him. Stay in the boat. Die with everybody else. Get out of the boat and maybe, maybe something other than death will happen. And so he climbs over the edge of the boat. He literally threw caution. Everybody say, he threw caution. And we say, what do we say? He threw caution to the... Let me add something. He threw caution and common sense. Not just caution. He threw common sense, everything to the wind, and he acted in that moment. Some people look at us today and they say, you folks are crazy. You're exactly right. I threw caution and common sense to the wind a long time ago when I turned my life to him. And if you ever think that I'm going to get back in the boat of safety and start playing it safe, you got another thing coming. If you're ever going to have what God wants you to have in your life, then you cannot just operate by logic. You have to operate by faith. And when he starts calling, you start moving because you know only God is able to move in that situation and somebody shout amen we don't we don't see enough of this kind of faith in the contemporary church now I saw this kind of faith growing up because the church we grew up in it wasn't contemporary now for some they may have said it was but it wasn't it wasn't this is this is the kind of stuff we did well, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die. By and by, some of y'all are old timers. Quit acting like you know something. Well, when the roll is caught up yonder, is caught up yonder, when the roll. Is called up yonder. When the roll is called up, I'll be there. We grew up in a different day. Some of you wouldn't even know how to read a songbook. I mean, if you grew up in the church, you know how to read from a song. I mean, you just know every line and every verse. You even know the page numbers. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of saving grace. On the streets of glory, let lift my voice. Cares all pass home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look. See, some of you guys know these songs. I haven't sang these in generations, <laughs> decades. 
Once like a burning prison I dwell, no freedom from my sorrow I felt. Then Jesus came and listened to me. He set me free, oh, he set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see, for glory to God, he said. See, in those days, folks had faith. And when they didn't have an answer anywhere else, they found it in an altar. And they prayed until something broke. They interceded until something happened. I don't see that kind of faith in the contemporary church that we're in right now. But God help us to get back to it. And it could be in the season we're in right now that God's trying to wake the church up and say, if you ever needed me, you need me right now. And I'm looking for people who have the kind of faith that'll jump out of a boat in the middle of a storm and say, he's my only hope. He's my only answer. He's my only provider. We can't make it by ourselves, but I can promise you we can make it holding on to his hand. Amen. I said we can make it holding on to his hand. Acts the 16th chapter. I thought of this example in the 28th verse of Acts 16. Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his house straight story of Paul and Silas locked in a jail cell and it looks like their life is over. Stress filled, yes. An end coming, yes. But God said, I've got something greater at work here right now and I'm going to make sure that these bars don't hold you. I'm going to make sure that these locks cannot contain you and the place starts shaking and God brings deliverance and the jailer thinks his life is over he comes in trembling and he sees these men there and he asks them what do I need to do to be saved I don't think he was just talking in spiritual terms I think he was talking about his life in general because he knew that he would have to face responsibility for all of these prisoners being set free. And he's wondering if these are the culprits, if these are the guys that brought all this on, maybe I need to find out from them how my life can be spared. And they took the moment in a natural situation and they turned it to something spiritual. I want you to see this. The same kind of deal that Jesus did in John 3. When Nicodemus comes, 
and he starts talking to the Lord. We know that you are a teacher. We know that you come from God. We know that no man could do all these things that you're doing unless God be with him. Nicodemus is talking about natural things and Jesus turns the whole conversation to a spiritual thing and tells him, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter. And so in this moment, you see that the conversation changes and for this jailer, it changed and he's baptized And the word of God is proclaimed to his home. He and his home come to the Lord. He cares for these prisoners. Things could have turned out a lot different in the story. But it didn't. Because even in the middle of this event, of this dramatic uh, shakedown that was happening, clarity cuts through all of that in an epic type of proportion. Now I want you to see this. And you have to get this. If you don't get anything else, get this. When God is pulling the strings of purpose behind the scenes, did you ever grow up going to a carnival or a fair and, and, and you see little puppets on a stage and you see that there's wires and strings and things attached, but, but you don't see where that's leading to or what's going. Somebody's behind the scenes moving all of the puppets that are there on the stage. When God's behind, when he is behind the scene, pulling the strings of purpose in our lives, when he's operating with all of this, the potential outcome is completely out of your control. When I see Esther, I see God is behind the scenes pulling the strings of all of that. When I read the story of Peter getting out of a boat and walking on water, God is behind the scenes pulling the strings of all of that. When I see Paul and Silas worshiping and doors start opening and God brings deliverance and conversion happens, I see God behind the scenes pulling all the strings of purpose here. See, Esther responded with her life on the line. She knew when I walk in there, if he doesn't accept me, I will die at that moment. Her life was literally on the line. Peter defied all this logic and all these human limitations. Let me see the hands of everyone in this building that has walked on water without sinking. Ice, yeah, frozen water. can't do it we're limited we have human limitations but he did it because God was behind the scenes in all of this when you see Paul he's pummeling fear if you will and all this self-preservation and he's pushing forward knowing that my life may be in jeopardy but I'm going to tell this man right here when he said what do I have to do to be saved he said you need to start talking to the Lord Knowing that, with his response, it could have made the jailer even more infuriated. Talk to God. Are you crazy? You're a nut. I'm going to kill you right here so I can at least walk in before those that are over me and say, I killed the man. He didn't escape. You're going to tell me just believe in the Lord? See, their lives were at intersections where things could have been so 
different. And these are just a few of the Bible examples. And, and there's some amazing, significant things and results that transpire. But beyond all of these personal outcomes, I, I want to I lift this out of the text for a moment. Beyond Esther saving her own life. Beyond Peter saving his own life. Beyond Paul and Silas saving their own lives. Esther, her actions saved a nation. One girl's actions saved an entire people. Peter gets to the Lord, and now both of them get in the boat, and all of those disciples, all of those future first-generation gospel propagators were saved. Think about it. They all could have sunk in the middle of that water. And would we even have a message today? Would we even have what we have had he not climbed out of that boat? When you look at Paul and Silas, you see men that not only spared their own life, there was a conversion of a single man and his family as a result of what they did. I don't know what God will bring you and I into the kingdom for such a time or what the results will be, but I know nations can be saved and gospel propagators can be saved and single families can be saved and individuals can be saved when we start moving like God wants us to move. I'm so thankful for this sweet lady that's here today. I thank Matt and Bria for going out of their way the last few months to get on a Bible study every week and talk about the things of God because it's just not only about Matt and Bria. It's about Angelica. It's about her family. It's about the people that she knows. It's about others that are sitting in this building right now. God is moving me to challenge this church. If you think this is all about you, you are sadly mistaken. You better open your eyes and see that God wants to use you right now to make a difference in this world like never before. God wants to use this church. Let's stand together. I wish I had time to finish all of this, but I do not have that time. My question is this. God has brought all of us to an intersection in our lives. And my question is this. What are you going to do about it? What makes you different from Esther? You think God loves you more than he loved her? So he'll just spare you the challenges in life? What makes you different than Peter? You think God favors you more than he did that man? So you'll never be in a storm in your life? What makes you different from Paul and Silas? That you'll never see the inside of a jail cell for doing right? What makes us different? I'm no different than them. The only thing that makes me different from them is if I refuse to act when God gives me the opportunity to. If I let fear and unbelief question self-preservation, 
It'll stop me from seeing what God wants us to see. I believe God wants to give Vertical Church the greatest revival that we have ever known. And He wants to do it right now. He wants to do it right now. He wants to do it through you and I. I, I feel challenged. I, I feel challenged. And I, I'm going to jump through all of these things. And I'm just going to go to where I feel like God directed me a, to, to just share. And as pastor of this church, I'm asking, I'm asking everyone to feel, literally feel not feelings, but feel this, F-I-L, not F-E-L, F-E-E-L, not feelings. I want you to feel like you feel a vessel, okay? It all sounds the same, but it means different things, F-I-L-L. That's the way they say it in Michigan, not the way they say it in Texas, amen. In Colorado, doesn't even know, so anyway, they're just in between somewhere. But I want you to do your best, okay, to let every personal conversation that you have be filled. Every social media post that you make, every work encounter that you have, every family interaction, and every happenstance of involvement, let it be filled with deliberate evangelism right now let it be filled with something that is an effort that will bring people into the kingdom of God I'm telling you okay if you want to stay in your depression you can hang out in your boat it's about to go down with you in it if you want to stay in your little situation of pain and worry and anguish okay I understand everybody's in it right now the whole kingdom's about to go up in flames. You can stay in your back room being prepared for a better time if you want to. Or you can get in your jail and say, well, I've just been so mistreated. So, so many things are against me. Or you can rise up right now and say, God's giving this church an opportunity to make a difference. Don't let your conversations just be about trouble. Let it be about God. Don't let your posts be about what you agree with and what you don't agree with. Let it be about God. Let every encounter that you have with people on the street and people in places of business, you may never see them again. And God may be giving you one chance to be a light and a testimony there. And if you'll do something about it, there is no telling what God will do as a result of your effort, as a result of your testimony as a result of walking in before the king and saying, but wait a minute, this is an evil plan or getting out of the boat and saying, I'm going to where Jesus is or looking at a man and saying to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God is raising us up right now to make a difference. Are you going to make a difference? Are you going to make a difference? I want you with your hands raised to pray, God, help me to recognize every opportunity that is coming my way. Help me to recognize in every conversation that I have. Help me to recognize in every encounter that I have that you're giving me an opportunity right now to save a family, to save an individual, to save a group of people, to save a nation. God, let the church rise up right now. 
with responsibility. Let the church rise up right now with acceptance in the things that you have for us. Help us to move out by faith. Help us to take those steps that you desire of us to take because there is great reward. There is great victory going to happen in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You turn it for good. Before Megan continues singing, I want you to get your neighbor's hand. You have a family member, no doubt. Somebody, we tried to put you with people you've been with so you don't have to be afraid of those that are around your immediate area. Here's what we're praying. God, let every encounter we have this week Let everything I choose to say or post or be involved in, let it have an evangelism effort behind it. Let it have a burden behind it. Let it have a passion behind it to reach families that are hopeless right now. To reach individuals that are about to give up on life. To reach whole people groups that do not know the next step to take. In the name of Jesus, you're holding somebody's hand. No doubt pray in the Holy Ghost with me right now. God wants to raise vertical church up like never before to make a difference. Come on, your boss may be waiting on your testimony. The people you work with may be waiting on your testimony. Your family may be waiting on your testimony. In the name of Jesus I plead your blood upon this congregation. I plead your blood upon our church family. I plead your blood upon every person standing here right now. God, I pray that you would use this for your glory. Use this church and every individual to make a difference. We're determined, we're determined, we're determined, we're determined, we're determined to see it happen. In Jesus' name. Come on now, put your hands together and let's give God a shout of praise here. Let's give God a shout of praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You turn it for good. We were driving to church this morning. On our way over here to get here by noon to start setting up. And I've had someone on my heart the last several days. And I said, babe, message them. Message the family member that we know. And tell them that if they want a Bible study, you and I will start that Bible study. Reach out to the family and tell them. Because I see right now God is opening up doors. And some of us better act while we have the moment to. We better respond. Right? We've been praying, God, use me. When's God going to use Right now is that time. You better open your eyes and get out of your boat. Better open your eyes and walk in before the king. Open your eyes and answer when they ask, what are we going to do on the job? Tell them, turn to Jesus. What are we going to do in America? Turn to Jesus. What are we going to do about the election? Turn to Jesus. What are we going to do about our economy? Turn Turn to Jesus. What are we going to do about our health? Turn to Jesus. What are we going to do about our families? And what are we going to turn to Jesus? What are we going to do about all these splintered relationships? Turn to Jesus. God help us to realize He's giving us a moment right now to make a difference. 